You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 338, The Importance of the Apostle Paul, Part 4. So over the last several weeks, we've been taking a a really an in-depth look at the Apostle Paul at different aspects of his life. If you haven't heard the the first three episodes, I encourage you to listen to them. I think you'll enjoy them. I think it'll help you um, understand Paul better, and especially as you read through the New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles, and then the, the letters that Paul left us, the 13 letters that he left us, I think it's going to give you a little bit more uh, understanding and it's going to give you a richer experience as you read his letters. So today we're going to jump back in. We were talking last week about Paul the leader. And just a recap on that, we talked about the fact that he's a classic type A personality, highly driven, highly motivated. People were drawn to him. But he did have a he did have his little bouts with depression um, when things didn't go his way or or when things didn't work out. He was human, and you know you don't see this all the time. But there are several places in his letters where it mentions it, and it sounds like he was struggling a bit emotionally. Which I'll be honest with you, I can relate to that, and I appreciate the fact that we don't get an unvarnished uh, a varnished account. We get an unvarnished account. And we see, uh, you know, we see him as he is because if you've been in leadership for any length of time, you've probably had those dark days. We also talked about the fact that, uh, um, as we said, people were drawn to Paul, and there, there's been a mis- misconception that he was a loner. But that that really couldn't be further from the truth. There were a hundred people, over a hundred people, associated with him in one way or the other through Acts of the Apostles or through his letters. Um, and he. We're going to jump back in there and kind of start talking about that a little bit. The fact that he built and cultivated key relationships. Um, you see this really, uh, and, and, and I keep referring to both, both sets of documents. The Acts of the Apostles, which is a history of the early church, um, the first 30 years, and, and, and pretty much from chapter 13 on, you see Paul's ministry in the early church. And then, of course, his 13 letters, you see um, you know, a lot of autobiographical information in there as well. But what about these key relationships? You know, we, we often, you'll hear people say that we're defined in many ways by our relationships. Who are the people that you're the closest to? Um, they're going to be the people that shape you the most. And when you look at Paul's life, you see that he had a, a relationship, a lifelong relationship, at least for probably 20 years or so, um, with a guy named Luke, uh, Dr. Luke. He was a physician. He wrote the, the Gospel of Luke. He wrote Acts of the Apostles. Um, and he was a pastor. You see him traveling with Paul, helping Paul, uh, probably helping him with so many things. But one of the things he helped him with was the evangelism and ministry. In fact, he served as the pastor of the church to the Philippians after that that church was founded. So 
um, powerful relationship. You see him um, uh, with young men named Timothy. He, he probably led Timothy to the Lord, led him to faith, and then Timothy um, became one of Paul's closest companions, probably for uh, you know at least 20 years, maybe even more, maybe 30, uh, where he was working with Timothy, or, or Timothy was working with Paul, and he became that guy that, that Paul would send out as a troubleshooter. He would send him to deliver letters. He would send him as, as a representative. Uh, Titus. We don't know as much about Titus's background. We get a bit more understanding of Timothy through Acts and then the letters. Uh, but Titus was evidently a very, very close companion of the Apostle Paul. Another uh, key relationship was Aquila and Priscilla, a couple, a married couple. They worked together. They met and they worked together in Corinth. They both were, um, some people would say tent makers, some people would say leather workers, but uh, whatever that type of work was, they worked together, but they also worked together in the ministry. And these guys were were powerful leaders in their own right. They had a, a key leadership role at the church in Ephesus. Um, they also uh, led uh, at the church in Corinth for a while and uh, probably even um, had moved back to Rome at some point and had a leadership role in that church as well. So the, these guys were, were people that Paul trusted to go and do what he wanted them to do, what, what you know, uh, his vision was. Uh, Paul gave these people responsibility. They weren't just, you know, they're carrying his suitcase. These were people he was sending out with responsibility to get the work done. He encouraged, he prodded, he praised, he taught, he comforted, and he pastored his key people. Just read, um, if you don't believe me, just read the, the personal letters that Paul wrote. There's a letter to a guy named Philemon who was in the, Colo- uh, the church at Colossae. He was one of the leaders there. Uh, absolutely masterful letter. Uh, the two letters that he wrote to, to Timothy. The letter he wrote to Titus. Uh, again, he, he, he encouraged, he prodded, he praised, he taught, he comforted, and he pastored his key people. Paul was always working with others. When you look at the opening to almost every one of his letters, he usually mentions someone else's name with his. Uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, or Paul and Silas, or Paul and Timothy, to the church at such and such. Over and over again, he wanted to, to, to under, people to understand it wasn't just about him. It was about uh, Jesus and the other team members as well. He, he didn't want just people to, to to put their faith in him. In fact, he even has a chapter about this in uh, the letter to the Corinthians, you know, uh, basically telling them, look, don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in Peter. Don't put your faith in Apollos. Put your faith in Jesus. We're just servants who are kind of pointing you in the right direction. So um, amazing use of, of building these relationships. But we also see Paul's use of authority. Um you know, how did Paul as a leader use the authority that he had been given? Um, really, you, you know, we could talk about legal or moral authority, and that's derived from his position as an apostle and the founder of the churches that he was writing to. I mean, really, that does give him the authority um, over those folks and over that church. But Paul says over and over again, God gave me this authority for building you up and not for tearing you down. But really, that legal or moral authority wasn't what he relied on. Um, you know, the earned authority, which came from, uh, you know, his experience, 
his expertise, and the fact that he loved these people would have given him that earned authority. Uh, also, the the qualify you know he was qualified as an expert in the things of God. I mean that's he was an apostle, and that experience conveys a certain amount of authority. But the fact that these people knew that he loved them, they looked at him as their spiritual father, so he didn't have to um, command things. Uh, usually it was a suggestion. Usually he would say, hey, listen, why don't you do this? And even the commands came across as that father pleading with his children. Um, He used appeals. He requested people to do things. And, you know, granted, the people probably took them as commands, but they don't come across in a heavy-handed way. Uh, When I was with the police department, one of the the greatest leaders that I ever worked for, um, you know, two ranks above me, but he seldom ever gave commands. He would just say, hey, listen, would you do this for me? Well, absolutely. Um, was it an order? Well, he requested it, and so it was an order. Now, he wasn't heavy-handed about it, but everyone knew it was an order. But there's ways to do things that come across so much better. And, you know, with that leader-follower relationship, this is a very, very powerful thing. So Paul set himself up as really kind of the, 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 the father of the folks who came to Christ through him and as their spiritual father in the churches that he founded. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul and Acts. Look, you got to have it. You want to do a more in-depth study of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter? Grab this book, read it along with your with your time in, in, in the Scriptures as you read through the Acts of the Apostles. It's really going to give you a lot of understanding and help you to understand what these men uh, did and the foundation they laid for the early church. Uh, there's some great background material. Uh, we look at the... Uh, really give you a good introduction to the uh, Gospel of Luke as well because the same writer wrote both books, Luke and Acts. So so check that out. I know you're going to love it. Click on the link and go to Amazon. You can read a chapter or two for free and then click on the buy button because I know you're going to love it. Well, all right. So we've talked about today, we've, we've kind of wrapped up this idea of Paul as a leader. And there's so much more we could say about Paul's leadership. But I think that at least gives you a bit of an introduction talking about kind of that legal moral authority that's derived from his position but the fact that he used the earned authority through his expertise as as, as an apostle, as his knowledge of God, his knowledge of Jesus, his knowledge of the Scriptures. But even more than that, his earned authority came from the love that he showed for the people that he pastored and looked after. Well, now I want to kind of wrap this up for the next few minutes, just giving you a little bit of an introduction to... um, Paul's letters, Paul the writer. You know, it's interesting when you read the letters, it's it's kind of like half a phone conversation. Have you ever had somebody, maybe you're riding in the car with them and the phone rings and they answer and they start talking and they don't mention the person's name, but after a minute or two, you know who they're talking to because of what they're saying, because of the side of the conversation that you hear. Or maybe you hear half the conversation and you think it's one person, but it turns out it was someone else because of the side of the conversation you heard. You didn't 
you know, it wasn't quite enough information. Well, when you read Paul's letters, that's what it is. We get half a conversation. So we don't know exactly what was going on on the other side all the time, but Paul gives us a pretty good uh, half of the conversation so that we can kind of piece together what's going on. A great example, when you read the Corinthian letters, uh, Paul talks about some of the problems there. Well, we haven't heard about those problems firsthand. We only hear about him mentioning those problems in the letter. So, um, it give, you know, it's better than nothing. It's it, At least you're getting that conversation. But, um, of course, we would love to know more, but we can at least be thankful for the information that we have. When we read the letters, there's 13 of them. Uh, they're written to a number of different churches. And all of these churches were not started by Paul. Two examples, Colossae and Romans. Uh, these were churches that Paul did not found. The, the church in Colossae was founded by some of his, his team, but Paul had never even visited there. Uh, the church in Rome had not been founded by, by Paul. We don't even know who started that church. But he wrote to them and was talking about his, his hope to come visit them very soon. But most of the churches that he's writing to are churches that he had started. Corinthians. This was a, a church. The church in Corinth was founded by Paul. Uh, the church in Ephesus. Uh, in Galatia. Now, Galatia is not a city. Galatians actually a, a nation, a region. And there was a number of churches there. So this letter was probably passed around among the churches. Philippi. That was a city that he had been to. Thessalonica. The Thessalonians. That was a city that he had been to and planted the church. But also, Paul wrote to three different individuals. Four letters, three individuals. He wrote a letter to Philemon, he wrote two letters to Timothy, and a letter to Titus. And most of the letters, especially those that were written to the churches, were written to deal with problems and specific issues. Again, 1 Corinthians is probably the best example of this because he spells it out so well. In Galatians, it's very obvious what the problem is. And uh, when you read the first chapter, you understand that Paul is not very happy when he's writing to the Galatians because they have, uh, these, these non-Jewish Christians have chosen to turn back and embrace Judaism, circumcision, dietary laws, the rest of the law. And he says that if you're going to embrace the law, you've fallen from grace. Powerful statement. So when you read the letters, look at what he was writing too. Many times he'll tell us, but he was writing to deal with specific issues. And in Corinthians, he's dealing with um, schisms in the church. He's dealing with moral issues in the church. He's dealing with um, misuse of spiritual gifts. He, he's dealing with even, and this is just crazy, even drunkenness in the church. They had people getting drunk during the Lord's Supper. Um, so he's bringing order to the church in Corinth. And, you know, we, we talk about the Corinthian church as being messed up. But, you know, honestly, when you read all the letters, that's probably the church I'd have wanted to join. That, they, they seem to have a lot going on. Um, messed up or not, they weren't afraid to, uh, you know, get involved in different things and, 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 and very spirit-filled, uh, using those spiritual gifts. And, you know, he, he was able to bring things, hopefully, in order with those letters. Um so Paul often used a secretary to help him write. And you get this picture of him pacing and dictating and changing thoughts in midstream. Uh, we don't know if Paul actually wrote by hand any of his own letters. 
Uh, he signs them. He'll usually give a little uh, postscript towards the end, you know, give a little greeting in his own hand. But but usually he he had a secretary who he would say, all right, we got to write to the uh, um, Thessalonians or, you know, we need to write a thank you letter to the Philippians for their gift. And um, they, the, the person would actually help him write the letter. He would pen it as Paul dictated it. Most of Paul's letters were intended to be read out loud in the church. Now, this is, this is fascinating because, remember, they didn't have a copy of the New Testament. They didn't have a copy of the Scriptures. So the letter was intended to be read out loud. And if you want an interesting dynamic, the next time you're reading Paul's letters, read them out loud. Read it out loud and listen to the cadence. <clears throat> listen to how it sounds. Because, because Paul was writing, um, not so much thinking that people were going to be reading his letters, but that they would be hearing them. So you ought to try that sometime. I think you'd find it interesting. And then, and we'll wrap up with this, Paul's letters were intended to be theological and practical. Now, like I said, often they were dealing with problems. Um, the Thessalonian letters, for example. Uh, there had been some misunderstanding about the Lord's coming. And so he writes to, to kind of bring some correction there. But even there, he's still dealing with theology and with practice. Theological and practical. In other words, what should we believe and how should we live? It was very important to Paul that the early believers be grounded in the truth and that they have good doctrine. He, there were many, many false teachings floating around. Even in Paul's day, false teachings were beginning to follow him into some of the churches that he had founded. And, um, he wanted the people to be very well grounded in the truth and to know what they should believe. But also, he wanted them to know how they should live. So, for example, if you take the Colossian letter, the first two chapters are on theology and doctrine, on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. The second two chapters are how we should live. Now, when you think about it, this makes perfect sense because they didn't have a New Testament. These were not uh, Jewish Christians predominantly who had grown up with the law, having some uh, concept of morality. These were Greek people coming out of the Greek world, and morality was very, very different to them. Uh, they didn't live under a Judeo-Christian ethic, and so they were living under uh, this, this uh, lifestyle of uh, mixing re religion and sex and magic and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so Paul is coming in and just kind of laying down what God's standard is. And that's why in every letter almost, you see Paul give some very clear uh, instruction on how we should live morally, on how we should treat people, on the marriage relationship, on relationship between parents and their children. Um, you know, so many things Paul deals with on how we should live. So not only what we should believe, but also how we should live. And I tell you, I would encourage you to get into Paul's letters. I'm kind of going back through through myself and, uh, and just enjoying taking the time, reading through, digesting, and understanding that Paul really took the message of Jesus um, that he heard from the apostles, and now he's disseminating that message through his letters. 
you know, you read Colossians 3, you, you really kind of even get a snapshot or this, you can almost hear Jesus giving the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount because Paul's talking, echoing some of those same thoughts on how we should live. Well, I'm going to wrap up there. I hope you've enjoyed the series on, on Paul. Um, he is a very uh, influential man even still today. I encourage you to read his letters, uh, spend time in them, write in them, highlight them, uh, meditate on them, memorize them. Uh, they're just such powerful, powerful tools for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And, uh, you know, I'd love to stay in touch with you, and I'd love to hear what you've got to say. So go to davidspell.com, leave a question or comment in uh, the comment section for today's post. Let's keep the conversation going. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. And I'll see you next week on Leading and Learning. Mm-hmm.